Woo! Ha <laughs> ha! Always ready for another Q&A on Wednesday, baby. Absolutely. Uh, of course, right out of the gate. This is Patreon only, subscribers only. Thank you so much to everybody uh, that, that is hearing the sound of this because likely you're either an amazing person or you, uh, you know, you're, you're, do, you know, donating through Patreon or through some other means. And I want to make that, you know, I'll, I'll make that clear. I'll make it more clear on uh, episode 192 of Sovereign Tech and oh boy, do we have a doozy uh, coming up for that. Um, you can do this through Bitcoin if you want to. You can't go through Patreon itself, but I do have a backup system set up to where if you want to, you know, work with me on getting, uh, you know, on getting this content through you by using Bitcoin. Um, the only thing I'm going to need is your email address, and we can work all that out. Um, so anyway. I uh, don't want to don't want to spend too much time on that. I just want to say thank you to everybody that is hearing this uh, because in my life you're a very special person, quite frankly, <laughs> and I mean that. Um, but we've got a few questions here I want to get through. Uh, I'm going to see. I, I'm really honored. I know a lot of people have said so when because when I first started doing these Q and A episodes, I really only wanted them to be like a half hour. Okay, <laughs> but some of them have turned into two hours. So, you know, an hour or something, an hour and change. Uh, and I really, you know, but so I've, I've heard from a lot of people saying, we don't, we don't care, you know, keep putting out the content, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it, or we like the longer form or whatever, or there's nothing else really they want to listen to anyway. So thank you all the same for that. Um, but we'll see how many we can get through here. I'm definitely trying to keep it at like, you know, under an hour. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if the market signal gets sent to me that we want two, you know, multiple two hour episodes of Sovereign Tech every week, of course, I'll be doing that. And that can be done by reaching our Patreon goal of $500, uh, which we're over, over a fifth of the way there uh, for that. So, but then again, we've only been pushing, you know, I've only been pushing hard on Patreon for, oh, really since July, like mid-July. So it hasn't been that long. It hasn't even really been two months. Uh, since I started this big push and getting out all this content, but because of all the length, of course, there is now. And if you're if this is your if you're new to the Patreon content, there is over 30 hours of content already. Uh, that's totally bonus. Uh, you, you know, for for people to access here, you're the only people that get it. Uh, sometimes some of the the comments, the points, will bleed into the main show. Um, but largely the content is only here. And again, don't hesitate, please, to use the Patreon messaging service um, or email, uh, you know, or, or even Twitter. And just, you know, let me know if you have a question. You can ask the questions there. That's the way to get in touch with me. And I, I have a ton to get to, um, but I will get to them. OK, if it ends up if it gets if it gets so crazy that at some point down the line, like I have to release a couple Q&A episodes a week, I will do that. Uh, but right now, I mean, there's certainly plenty of them, but I think I think it, it's a pretty good store of them to be able to uh, to talk about it. Uh, a lot of people had some comments about last week's Q&A uh, about the the podcasting thing. And they they were kind of some people were a little shocked at perhaps the more um, not so honest side of, you know, of podcasting and social media in general. Well, it's one of the things I brought up many times on Sovereign Tech. I mean, it, it's a reality. It's out there. Uh, let people know about it. Um, and, and, you know, and that that's it. I mean, uh, if you have, and like I said before, if you have other more specific questions about podcasting, I am happy to answer those. I, I, you know, I think podcasting, like this is the new revolution in media. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not going to take the place of music, though for some I think it has. I think some people, and you know, that's unfortunate. I think for some people, podcasting, like, 
Not that there needs to be, not, not that I, I believe in some central planned ratio or anything, but I think listening to music is just as important as listening to podcasting. Uh, and there's so much great music that still gets made today, even if it's not necessarily by new artists, but by artists that have been around for a while, uh, that I think you really, you know, you might do yourself a disservice and it's all up to you. I'm, I'm not insulting anybody. I'm just saying you might be doing a disservice if you don't take the time to really like soak in, you know, some great albums, you know, and, 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 and other forms of, you know, whatever, however you consume music. Uh, and then, you know, mix in some podcasts there as well. And then of course, it's always very important, you know, to actually listen to the world around you. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> My point in saying all that is just that, you know, I don't think music's going to go away uh, anytime soon. That is, you know, perhaps the most ancient form of entertainment. Uh, it, you know, music potentially, I mean, depending on how you define this, music could be older than language. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's not going to displace that. But as far as like TV and what we understand as terrestrial radio and things like this, uh, I think podcasting is absolutely going to take over all of that. And in fact, I'll announce this to you now. Another project that I am working on is I am working on, and, I, and I'm and send me your feedback on what you think about this. If there is an interest, with I mean, you know, Patreon subscribers are my, or you know, are the more. No, nah, I don't want to say my. You're not mine, but but are the more uh, vocal uh, user base. I would say, you know, if anything, you're speaking with your dollars, and I'm honored by that. Or listener base, not user base. And I have been working on potentially creating a podcast network. Uh, and, you know, working with some people that have really, really great content. There's a few shows out there that I don't think get enough attention. Um, you know, and of course, I mean, Stephanie and I put out shows and I mean, you know, there's, there's all kinds of great stuff to be out there or to be put out there. Um, but I mean, it would start off with like, I, I'm, I'm tempted and I haven't really talked to all of these people yet, but I mean, you know, this would be a network where, you know, the quality of shows would, would meet a certain caliber. It wouldn't necessarily be Liberty oriented, though there'd be plenty of Liberty shows. I would have, um, I would have the school sucks project on there. I would have the illumination hour on there. Uh, there, there's, there's some others. I can think of a few shows that I'd, I'd love to have on it. Um, but it would be a full on serious download an app, you know, 24 seven podcast network running. And so that's something that I am toying with. You can let me know what you think about, about me doing that. Um, I have the ability uh, to do it. I don't necessarily have the time, but I like to, I like to wear a lot of hats and I like to, well, I like great content to be heard. Uh, and I might do other wild things on there too. I might actually, you know, play some, speaking of music, I might play some metal or, you know, some other forms of music on there at certain hours, you know, kind of like how MTV from, you know, like, like 4am to 7, uh, 7 a.m. They used to actually play music again, you know, and you could see music and music videos, right? Back in the nineties when everything else turned into the real world and all that, believe me, I know why all that happened. Uh, which by the way, you know, oof. I could get on a whole other tangent about that, but I won't because, <laughs> because of MTV classic and VH1 classic, very interesting story. If you want to hear about it, you can, uh, you can message me or email me. Uh, but anyway, let, yeah. So I'm thinking about doing a podcast network. Um, I think that's something that's sorely missing, uh, something that people could brand if they wanted to, you know, they could use some degree of brand recognition on say their show art, uh, kind of like replay does. And, and some of these other networks do, uh, I, I, I think there's room for, for more networks. And so I am, I'm very tempted to get one. This isn't going to be some YouTube network. This is something that would have, you know, where you could get your hands, you know, you could install an app and you could play it at any given point. Um, that's, that's, that's what I have in mind. So, but we'll see how that goes anyway. Um, 
Let's get into our questions here. We've got a few. You know, I'm going to start off with a fun one. I'll let you know what the second question is. So if you want to sit through it, uh, you know, well, the the first one's not going to take long. (laughs) Uh, But the the first question uh, has to do with why do I always say see you on the other side? The second question is going to have to do with Monero which is the cryptocurrency that seems to be taking the world by storm right now. Uh, I will be talking about Monero on Sovereign Tech 192 more briefly as well, uh, but I have other issues that need to get dis- need to get discussed on episode 192, like the fact that uh, the Jax wallet, uh, that, that they are getting really strong-armed uh, by Apple, uh, which, by the way, today, it's being Wednesday, this is September 7th, 2016, there's a huge Apple show going on. Uh, I won't be talking about that on here. I might do a special episode where I talk about that more, but we'll see. So anyway, uh, Monero is really taking or is taking the world by storm. We will get into that. People asked me to talk about it, and I will because um, I have I actually have a lot to say on it. But uh, anyway, so the question, the first question, which was just kind of like a stylistic question of why do I always say, because at the end of each episode, I always say two things. I say carpe lucem and I'll see you on the other side. Okay. Uh, Carpe lucem, for those that don't know, is of course Latin and it means seize the light. Uh, it is a popular phrase used by uh, various, let's just say various Renaissance groups, various Enlightenment groups uh, that, that existed throughout history. Uh, and it may be, you know, it may be able to trace its roots significantly older, but the idea of carpe lucem means seek knowledge like that. That's sort of, it, it's kind of code for that. Of course, it's coded, coded esoterically. It doesn't have to be taken necessarily esoterically, but I think it's a good message to get out there. Yes. For those that ask, it is something the supposedly the Illuminati would say to each other. Okay. Uh, and so I added it in there to have fun because a lot of the things I do understand that I lace so many of the things I say, so many of the things I create, even the artwork that I do, all this different stuff, I lace it with symbolism. I lace it with inside jokes. I lace it with, uh, uh, you know, just, just hidden things uh, all the time. And, and I do that as part of fun. In fact, I've said, you know, for a long time, like I, I went heavy on, because I, now I don't buy into most conspiracy theories at all, okay? But I'm very well versed in them. At least I like to think so. And I get told by people I am, so I'm going to assume based upon their words that to some degree I am. Uh, and so I would actually, you know, one of my, this was kind of a marketing trick straight up. I, I used as many Illuminati symbols and, you know, esoteric symbols and all that in everything I was doing and even phrases and all that in Sovereign Tech from episode number one. I even, the first episode of Sovereign Tech came out on the day, uh, you know, back in December 2012, on the day when, uh, when everything was supposed to end, you know, when the world was supposed to end, right? I mean, I did all these things on purpose, uh, just so I was hoping that some, you know, conspiracy nutter, not all conspiracy theorists are nutters, but, you know, some conspiracy nutter would make a video about me saying, this guy's working for the Antichrist. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that's why I do so much. Uh, so that, that's kind of where the usage of Carpe Lucem came from is like, okay, what can I, what phrase can I use that references going after knowledge, going after the truth, uh, you know, but then kind of, kind of has a nice little conspiratorial jab to it. And that was, that was the phrase. So that's where Carpe Lucem, Lucem comes from. He, the person didn't ask about that, but I figured I might as well talk about that while I'm here. Uh, and, but the second part, see you on the other side. 
the the reasons for this are incredibly benign and I don't expect much of anyone to remember where this where this phrase was was used uh, for a little while. So you got to set the way back machine to oh would this be 1997? 96, 97? Sounds about right. When Stargate SG-1 premiered, uh, this was the television show on Showtime, originally on Showtime, then to go on to the Sci-Fi Channel after, I believe, season five. Uh, and very popular show. Arguably, I, I think it's still the longest-running science fiction show of all time. Doctor Who not, not included. Uh, Doctor Who is a very unique case, I think. Um, I don't... I mean, maybe Doctor Who is in it... No, because they're only, like, in their ninth or tenth year, right? Well, anyway, whatever. I don't really watch the new Doctor Who's. I love Chris Eccleston, but I don't really watch the new Doctor Who's. Uh, But anyway, maybe now they're about 10 or 11 years in. But, you know, let's be honest. Most of the people, you know, that watch Doctor Who today do not go back and watch the Sylvester McCoys, the Tom Bakers, even Paul McGann, you know, the Fox movie uh, and all of that. You know, they, they don't go back or even further back. I mean, we could go way, way back if you want. Uh, you know, most of them don't watch that. So honestly, I don't think I don't I don't really count in the popular vernacular. I don't really count, uh, uh, you know, those past seasons of Doctor Who as being related to the modern Doctor Who. You can argue with me all about that all you want. But until I, you know, again, until I see uh, a lot of these, you know, people that make dresses out of uh, out of the TARDIS, you know, going back and regular or, you know, posting on social media about, you know, how sexy Sylvester McCoy was. Uh, I don't believe you. OK, I don't think you're actually into, you know, really into Doctor Who, um, but or, you know, or at least I think you're in a you're into a very different version of what Doctor Who of what made Doctor Who so great. Uh, but I did love Chris. Chris Eccleston. Phenomenal. I mean, he, he was so good that first year. What was that? Oh, five. Damn. Anyway, that's not what you're asking me about. So. Uh, Stargate was one of the longest running science fiction shows of all time, um, and if not still the longest, depending on how you gauge it. And of course, it had sequels, you know, there were Stargate or, you know, uh, uh, spinoffs. It had uh, Stargate Atlantis and the great Stargate universe that only went two seasons. What a shame. That show was was a class act. I really enjoyed that. But um, but anyway, Stargate SG-1, I was all for that. Stargate was such a great movie when they came out in, uh, was it 94, I think? And, you know, a little bit of history. Stargate was actually the first movie to have a website. Most people don't know that. Uh, but anyway, Stargate, phenomenal film. Uh, you know, just just really, like, you can still watch it today. It still looks good. I know that, that Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich came out and said that they are remaking the movie and they are doing a remake trilogy. I think that's a terrible idea. Uh, I don't agree with that at all. They can go ahead and make it, whatever, that's fine. Again, I know you're not asking me about Stargate, but you're getting a little bit here, a little bit extra. Okay, they, I mean, they can make it, but, you know, Stargate for me is always going to be that original film and everything that came out of the SG-1 universe. Uh, and believe me, I was into, I, I wanted more Stargate before SG-1 existed. I, I still have my copies of the Bill McKay books. The Bill McKay books were sequels to the movie that ended up having to do with, well, they had more to do with, uh, of course, they didn't call them really the Goa'uld, but it had more to do with Ra's race. And then it ends up where they even leave Abydos and they find like this, uh, this more feral kind of race, this like race like like panthers or cheetahs or whatever. Uh, really, really interesting. I mean, like the story is very different from what SG-1 did, but it's very, very good. So I don't mind that there's, you know, other other tales of, uh, of Stargate. Um, but I just think that this is, you know, you already have such a great property with SG-1. Build off of that. 
you know, rock with that. I get so sick of remakes. Everybody's getting sick of them. That's why I, that's part of the reason I think that this summer has been, even though I've seen great movies this summer, this summer has been a, a bit of a bomb as far as, you know, box office uh, smashes. It uh, hasn't really been happening. But anyway, so Stargate SG-1, I was super excited for this. I loved it. In fact, I really loved it because, I mean, I'll just be straight up with you, especially as a teenager. You know, to see Daniel's wife, Shari, to see her, like the actress they got to play Shari, they, they didn't have, um, oh, it's terrible now. I can't remember her name who was in the original movie. But they got a new actress. And I mean, she was, well, they were they were gorgeous in both the movie and in the TV show. But the one they got in the TV, I mean, she was very well endowed. Let's put it this way. <laughs> And, and, and they stripped her down, you know, and, and it's like, wow, you know, Showtime, this is something I actually, this is the first time my parents did not pay for Showtime. I wanted to see SG one so bad that, I mean, and also I, you know, I grew up being a huge MacGyver fan. So seeing Richard Dean Anderson, you know, of course playing Colonel O'Neill with two L's, uh, you know, was, was so badass. Um, like I, I just, I wanted to have that. And so I, I actually paid, I gave my parents the money to subscribe to Showtime you know, back in the 90s, because uh, because I wanted this show. Didn't care about anything else. Admittedly, I started watching some of the stuff that was on Showtime later on at night. <laughs> but, but uh, I, you know, I was all about SG-1. Loved it. It's a great show. If you've never seen it, yes, it's military-themed. Don't let that fool you, because most episodes are a great morality play, and when it ends up going to the sci-fi channel, by that point, it becomes this really cool universe that you can get lost in. Uh, that's that's kind of fun for its own sake. Uh, but it, it was really, the show for a good long while did a great job of morality play. It did what the original series of Star Trek did to where, you know, you had that great friendship between Daniel and, and, and you know, and, uh, and Jack O'Neill. Uh, man, and Daniel Jackson is an absolute, you know, like, literary uh, role model for me personally. I mean, definitely inspired me to get into history, perhaps more so even than Indiana Jones. But anyway... Um, so the marketing campaign at the time, this is back in the nineties, the first season of SG one, when SG one was on Showtime, this was not the sci-fi channel. Most people didn't watch SG one when it was on Showtime. And that's evidenced by the fact that the ratings were so bad. Showtime sold the show off to the sci-fi channel. So a lot of people recognize SG one for being so great, but most people didn't watch it first run. Uh, I had the great pleasure of doing so. Uh, in fact, I met my first, um, my first girlfriend. Uh, well, my first, I had my first relationship, I guess I should say that. Uh, <laughs> um, but my first relationship that I had, I actually met through a Stargate SG-1 IRC channel. It was a long distance thing and it ended up that fortunately, you know, I was able to, to well, make it work to where it was more of a physical relationship than it was, you know, a long distance one. But that's another story for another time. You know, my, my relationship history, if you want to ask about it, I don't mind talking about it. But, um, but anyway... Uh, so yeah, SG one, big deal. And so the advertising for SG one back when it was on Showtime, the advertising for it said at the end of it, it would show a picture of the Stargate and like the curtain that was covering the Stargate would come off that curtain that you see come off in, in children of the gods, the first, you know, the first pilot episode, uh, for SG one that would come off and they would use that clip of it coming off and they would, you know, just like this epic deep voice you know, for when they're premiering for next week's episode said, see you on the other side. And I was like, I, and that, that stuck with me. I was like, Oh, that was so cool. Because at the time I was like, SG one, fuck yes. Here we go. You know I mean? Every Friday night and that's when it would air, you know, I was just, just jazzed, you know, to, to be able to watch it. And, uh, and, and actually I was kind of fortunate. I mean, 
I would have... Oh. <laughs> All right, I'll go there. For, as far as the context of what we're talking about, I was fortunate in that my parents were going through, or, you know, my parents had gotten divorced and all that. And so my mother really leaned up on what we could do on Shabbat, you know, and on Sabbath and everything. Um, and at the time, just Christian anyway. And so I was able, I was allowed to watch TV on Friday night. Um, I recorded everything anyway with, you know, on VHS at the time. DVD wasn't really the thing yet. Uh, but yeah, I recorded like every episode seasons. I mean, I did the same thing for Babylon 5. I had this gigantic, uh, uh, you know, shelf where it was just VHS tape after VHS tape. And it was all perfectly cataloged. I was, I was very meticulous. Uh, and I had all of Babylon 5 and I had all of SG-1. And Star Trek, I, well, I, I bought every Star Trek tape I could. So anyway, but those, but Babylon 5 and, and SG-1, you couldn't buy those at the time, especially because Babylon 5 was just finishing up its run on TNT, you know, with season five and all the various great movies and, and all that. Uh, so anyway, um, that's where it comes from. It's just see you on the other side. Uh, you know, and it was a call to adventure and, you know, that's, that's how it worked. A call to adventure and mystery with SG one. And so I loved, I loved that, that feeling that it gave me. And so I took, you know, I just took the phrase. I mean, it could mean a million things for a lot of people, but I took the phrase and, and I've used it as, as kind of, you know, the end mantra for the show to where I say, see you on the other side. You know, it's that call to adventure and that, you know, that call to, or that, you know, and that, that, that hint of mystery. Uh, that's the point, you know, as to with Carpe Lucem, you get the call to action, you know, I mean, it, it's like, it's just, that's just, it's, it's great entertainment in my opinion. Like that, that's a, that's a very small part of, of entertaining people, I think. Uh, so that's, that's where that comes from. I bet you didn't expect that much thought went into those two statements, <laughs> but, but there it is. So, uh, I mean, that, that story of my life, I put so much thought into fucking everything, everything I do. But anyway, <laughs> Ooh, let's, uh, boy, I'll tell you, you know, <laughs> I'm going to admit something to you. There was actually an edit right there, uh, that, that you might not have noticed because man, I try to stay out of them, but sometimes those internet arguments, they get a little heated. <laughs> they get a little hot. Oh, unbelievable. Anyway, <laughs> you know, there's so many, uh, sometimes. Um, I guess I get labeled as celebritarian. I don't think so because like the bulk of my audience isn't necessarily like libertarian. I mean, there's a lot of libertarians and I love having you here. You know, uh, please don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying I reach a very broad audience, uh, but I get labeled as a celebritarian. Okay, whatever. But you know, I, I, I really don't care for it because I mean, most, first off, I work for a living. Uh, second off, <laughs> That's mean. Uh, but second off, like so many of these celebritarians, they are just, they are such pretentious fucks. Like, it's so bad. And anytime one of them wants to interact with me, like, I'm just, I'm just like instantly on. And, and it's just like, no, you're pretentious. You're, you're fucking self-promoting. I, I really, you know, and you're self-promoting with shit that isn't going to help anybody. Oh, I get so, anyway. <laughs> so there, there was an edit, but, uh, that's, uh, maybe a conversation for another time. So how about we get into Monero? This will kind of be the centerpiece. Then I've got something fun. Uh, maybe I can get to a third question here towards the end. I like to have something fun at the end instead of, you know, I don't know, getting all hot and bothered at the end of it. But, 
let's get into Monero. Uh, I think this is actually, this has been quite the, quite the rise. I think it's gone up 10x in value um, in the past, I don't know, month, maybe a month and a half. People didn't really see it coming out of anywhere. And it got popular fast. And people, a lot of, you know, because Bitcoin's still around, now a lot of, uh, a lot of other, other tech, ven- you know, journalism venues, if you even want to call them journalism, uh, they will, you know, they come out now. And they start doing write-ups, uh, you know, about about various cryptocurrencies that that get any kind of, you know, that do anything. Uh, so, you know, blockchains are here. I mean, I can tell you that. Actually, a, a job I'm working on right now um, with with a person. She, so you know, we're, we're working on. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of various promotion that needs to go on and everything. And so I, I have, I go through various tech stories. Like, I mean, I go through that stuff anyway, which is why I was a pretty good fit to work with this person. But, um, you, you know, I go through all this and like, it is amazing. It, you know, VentureBeat, TechCrunch, go down the list of all these different, I mean, and they are talking about blockchains like nonstop. It, it's a remarkable world that we live in now. I mean, the, the bad part is, is that I think most of the people writing about it don't have a fucking clue about what they are. You know, that's, that's unfortunate. So there's a lot of misrepresentation all the same. Um, uh, but it is amazing that it's out there. In fact, now there's even, there's a TV show now, right? Uh, was it startup about gen coin or gen coin? I haven't watched the first episode yet. I might get to watch before I do episode 192 of sovereign tech, but I mean, this, this, this shit's here, <laughs> you know? And what's amazing about that is that I think the shit is so here that a lot of people are writing up, and in fact, some people that are a little more knowledgeable in the space are writing up that, you know, Monero might, they, they, they think it might overtake Bitcoin. And I don't think they're talking necessarily from the space or from, and I'm not saying that it's going to, okay, but I, I'm just saying that, you know, these people, I think, are coming from the, you know, from the space where, you know, they might be Bitcoin maximalists or they might be, I don't know. They're just, they're not people necessarily that are looking to, you know, to release the next scam coin, right? Some, some bullshit coin that they, that they can make a buck off of. So, you know, Monero's a thing. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a real thing and it doesn't seem to be, I mean, you know, we're, we're very short into what's happening with it now. So it might not be a flash in the pan. I don't know. Uh, But it's one that is getting a lot more press than I think Dash does. Uh, which actually somebody asked me to talk about Monero, uh, particularly in comparison um, to Dash. And so I will do that. In fact, I'll, you know, I'll read the quick, the question here. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on Monero? From what I have seen, it is everything that Bitcoin should have been. It is very young and barely has a GUI client at this point. I hear that Jack's integration is only a few days away and already has an impressive market cap. The next version is supposed to work transparently through uh, I2P out of the box uh, which would be a game changer in my opinion. I would love to hear your thoughts on this, especially as it compares to Dash. Okay, so th- there's a lot, to, a lot to say there. Now, I had, I actually had a listener. In fact, I think that listener is also, uh, well, anyway, I won't, I won't say that. But uh, the listener, for varying reasons, might hear this. Uh, but anyway, so and this person, you know, said to me, like. Two, you know, yeah, a little over two years ago, maybe, uh, had said to me on Sovereign Tech, what do you think about Monero? You know, because Monero came out in April 2014. So it's not it's not exactly new. Uh, I think it's new in the limelight, but it's not exactly new. Now, there's a reason it's not new in the limelight. And we got to go over some history. okay? because when the person asked me about it in the past, uh, 
it really, the reason I didn't talk up Manira at all, because I'll agree, let me tell you this, I agree that, um, and I've actually, I've been saying this on Sovereign Tech forever, and there are other people in the Bitcoin, you know, in the blockchain, Bitcoin space, whatever, in the crypto space, that that have always felt this way as well. And I've talked with a lot of big names, and they even admitted the same thing. That the one thing that could overtake Bitcoin, which is why I think people feel a little more confident talking about Monero. The one thing that could overtake Bitcoin is the coin that is more anonymous. Okay? And that is Monero's claim to fame, is that it is, you know, it is more anonymous. Um, so why wasn't I excited about that as to where, like, I'm very excited about Zcash? Well, for one, Zcash is an idea that's been developed by a lot of big brains over, over a good long while. At least initially, back when it was zero coin, you had... Um, uh, Matthew Green from John Hopkins, which they have a, you know, their cryptography wing there is just, I mean, mind boggling. It's one of the best in the world. Uh, so, you know, ZeroCoin is kind of an older idea. Zcash is really the fruition um, of this idea, you know, of ZeroCoin. They just kind of changed the name. And of course, if you've been listening to Sovereign Tech for a while, I've talked about ZeroCoin from the beginning. Like literally since ZeroCoin has been a thing, I've talked about it. Uh, I've also talked about it on Free Talk Live uh, over and over again when I was a host on there. Um, I've been I've been pimping ZeroCoin and Zcash for some time. Now, uh, great news that I just heard is that Pixel, that being Paige Peterson, a friend of the show and personal friend of mine uh, that I just love. She's she's amazing. Um, she is now on the team with uh, with Zcash. That speaks very well of you know, of Zcash itself. I mean, and, and like, because she is a person that I trust that when she tells me something's going wrong or when she has concerns, I listen. Okay. Because I know she knows what she's talking about. And so anyway, Zcash is, is something that's coming up too. So why haven't I talked about, I'm all over the place. Why haven't I talked about Monero and say Dash? Well, they're actually, both of those, I haven't talked about much for the same exact reason. And the, the reason is, that well, okay. So with Dash, to explain that a little bit, Dash is they, Dash used to be called Darkcoin, and actually Monero used to be called Bitcoin. Uh, Dash had, or well, when it was Darkcoin, it had certain goals. Like it had like I don't know five or six, maybe eight goals that it was trying to reach. You know, you go to Darkcoin.com and it would say what it's trying to do, and it was trying to be more private. And I thought that was great, and so I was paying attention to it, and I was following it at first. And again, I don't tell people about something right out of the gate because I don't want to get accused of you know being a pump and dumper, which I am not, but I'll gladly call out people that are. Um, but, you know, I didn't talk about it because like right away and, and kudos to them for being transparent, but right away they were failing a lot of their goals, like being GPU resistant and all these different things. Now, Dash has continued on and seems to be doing very well for itself. In fact, there is one very large pump where I think a lot of people made a good amount of money and good for them. That's whatever. That's fine. Uh, Dash seems to be something else that's out there. And understand, as I've said on Sovereign Tech over and over and over and over again, I think there will be thousands of currencies. I don't just want one. I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist at all. Okay. I am fine with there being Bitcoin and there being Dash, you know, and there being Litecoin even, and there being Zcash. And honestly, I'm fine with Monero, but then let's get into why didn't I, you know, why didn't I go nuts about Monero? Why haven't I been talking about it much? Well, I've been following Monero for some time as well. Uh, originally when it was Bitcoin, um, and the idea is, is that it has a, it has, 
I'll say a scheme where it uses work, which what which is what differentiates it from Bitcoin because it's proof of work, just like Bitcoin, but it uses memory intensive uh, hashing. Okay, it doesn't use as to where with Bitcoin it's CPU intensive. Okay, uh, so and it does memory. You know, it, it makes it memory intensive. That way, you know, it, it's a little more difficult to say create ASICs. And things, you know, that, that sort of thing. And so you can more count on the release cycle and all that, even though they, they've sort of changed the speed of all that uh, over different periods. But what happened was, is that when when uh, when Monero came out in April 2014, just a few months later, this was in September 2014, uh, there was a there, there was a, like a, a Merkle tree attack, I think it was. So a Merkle tree, you have to. I don't remember exactly how, how the hack worked, okay, but Monero uses CryptoNote, okay, which that, that's that's part of the, the scheme that makes it, you know, memory intensive and all that. And CryptoNote is part of its anonymity because Monero is more opaque than Bitcoin is. That's a fact, okay? Um, and, in, and honestly, well, maybe I'll, no, I'm not going to go down that road just yet. Okay, so CryptoNote is this idea, and I think this was made by Bryce Weiner. Now, I mean, I am going back because we're talking, I mean, this is, this is two years ago this month and like maybe even today. <laughs> like that's almost a little odd that it's recovered so well, you know, almost exactly two years later, that being Monero from, from the Merkle tree attack. The Merkle tree attack, what happened is, is so Merkle tree, so you have a hash. A hash is, a ver- is effectively a verifying and securing function that gets done on data, okay? Like it says, okay, yes, this, what this data says it is, it is. It's, it's, it's different from like... Um, it's not the same thing as a signature, like an MD5. Okay, they're they're, they're not they're not the same thing. A hash is different from that, even though they kind of sound the same. But anyway, a Merkle tree is where you have it's where you have a, you know like hashes get copied to different nodes, okay, within a network, but the hashes all come from say like an original you know from an original node, but they get used to make a larger node be able to confirm itself a lot a lot more quickly. Okay, so the problem is, is that if you get a Merkle tree attack, then all those hashes can, uh, you know, can be duped into where a counterfeiting situation can happen and you could end up with double spends and all this different stuff. And so, so with CryptoNote, with CryptoNote 1, okay, because there's been two of them, with Crypto, and this is what I talked about on Sovereign Tech when I was asked about it, was this very hack, was that CryptoNote failed effectively. And they did eventually come out with the CryptoNote 2, Okay, but, you know, in the limited time that all humans have, I, you know, I did not see fit, just like with Dash, where, okay, this failed, uh, I'm, I'm not going to pay attention to it anymore. And like with Monero, okay, the CryptoNote 1 failed, that's great, they've got CryptoNote 2, and I mentioned it on Sovereign Tech, and this was two years ago. Um, I was just, uh, and that's fine if, if nobody remembers that, okay? <laughs> I don't expect everybody to remember everything I said, and I don't expect people to listen to every episode either. Please, you know, please, I'm not offended or anything by that, uh, by the person asking and them not having remembered me talk about it. That's totally cool. Uh, but, you know, with CryptoNote 2, I'm like, all right, well, we'll see what happens. But not a whole lot happened with Monero after the fact. You know, I agree with what it's trying to be. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I love the idea of anonymous currencies. That's why I love Zcash. Uh, but yeah, there, there was that issue. And so that's why I never really, that's why I didn't really talk about them much. And I'm not saying I'm not going to, I'm not saying to you now that I don't recommend buying Monero. Clearly people, you know, the market has spoken and that's exactly what happened. That's why there is a sudden 10 X rise in its value 
is because uh, some markets on, you know, on tour, on the, on the deep web uh, or the dark web, you know, uh, like Alpha Bay being the most famous, uh, you know, they succumb, you know, their customers said, we want Monero, you know, we want you to accept this. And so they started accepting it. The market spoke and suddenly, you know, Monero goes up in value. Great. <laughs> you know, but also, I mean, I think it should go up in value just because of what it's trying to do, just because of the idea of having more uh, anonymous currency. I think that's that's downright wonderful. Um, but I think there's a, there's a little bit more uh, to this. So anyway, Monero and Dash, I mean, they, they seem to have some degree of legs. Understand, though, and I think Dash has gone through a lot more a lot more trials than perhaps Monero has. So maybe Dash is, is somewhat of the of the better bet. I'm not giving you financial advice. I'm just sharing an opinion. Okay, but with Monero, uh, my concern is is that now that it's like, you know, now that everybody's kind of hearing about it and everybody's kind of knowing about it, um, it's a target. And it failed before. I don't know if it, you know, hopefully, you know, a network builds up fast enough, which it's building fast. (laughs) People, everybody's installing wallets. Uh, maybe it can keep something bad from happening. You know, maybe the, the proof of work, the, the network, you know, can somehow survive. And maybe the Monero developers are getting some degree of funding or something like this. Uh, and I'm, I'm all for it. So, you know, I have no problem with these things existing. But the reason that I never talked much about Dash or Monero is because, really, there were some heavy-duty failures very early on that I, you know, that just... I didn't see anything going on my radar. And and honestly, and, and the other reason I didn't talk about it much... I did talk about them. I do talk. I, I have talked about them over the years. I mean, I'd have to go hunting through my own episodes. But uh, actually, I know some people that are listening through my entire back catalog. If you find where I talk about Darkcoin uh, before it was Dash, it was Darkcoin. If you find where I talk about Darkcoin and I talk about Monero, let me know. Uh, <laughs> and I'll figure out some way to reward you. Uh, but, but, but do let me know um, so I could, you know, I could play it back. But the, the reason that I didn't talk much about them is really, and, and this isn't, this actually, this might sound like an insult, but it's not. It's actually a positive. I like the fact that all they were really doing, I know, I know Dash has, has like some degree of a private messenger and all this stuff built into it and everything. Like the fact that they were just being money, you know, like th- there's not a whole lot to talk about there. There's not a whole lot, say, to warn you about on Sovereign Tech um, because... You know, like it's not like Ethereum where I just disagree with what it's doing from the get go. You know, it's not like some of these other ones where I'm like, no, that's a fucking terrible idea. Why are you doing that? Like that's, you know, this is this is just going to create, you know, it's going to be tyranny of the code or, you know, whatever, whatever little little tropes I like to use. <laughs> um, so the fact that they're just money, I mean, great. I, you know, I don't really honestly, I don't have anything bad to say about them. You know, my only concerns is that in the past there have been some serious issues. Uh, where either the developers haven't been able to deliver on what they said, or there, you know, there's a very serious, like the the Merkle tree hack that occurred. So, I get, you know, to talk about it. I mean, good. I'm, you know, I'm really glad. And do do I think? I think maybe the the question is hanging. Do I think that Monero uh, could become a bigger deal than Bitcoin? Um, it meets the criteria of what I have said in the past, and what many others have said in the past would beat Bitcoin. And that is that it's designed to be more anonymous and that it's designed to be anonymous. Um, I think even though it's un, even though it's somewhat unproven, other than the fact that it has a history of long being worked on and desired and thought about, Zcash has the potential to outshine Bitcoin, in my opinion. And let's be clear here. 
you know, and, and you know, why would it outshine it? Because we're talking about, you know, uh, at best numbers, and this is from a few years ago, black markets or system D, as I used to talk about it on Sovereign Tech, is a $10 trillion a year market that moves, that has liquidity, that, ha- that makes things happen. In many ways, the black market's bigger than the market as you understand it. Because so much of the market that happens is just bullshit numbers getting, getting switched around back and forth. As we're on the black market, no, you're changing hands. <laughs> like, you, like, you've got to be changing hands, baby. Otherwise, nobody's getting anything. So, you know, if, if, you, can, if you can become the darling of System D, if you can become the darling currency of, of the black markets, which I am a full-on black marketeer, baby, absolutely, uh, then yeah, yeah, you could become the most valuable currency on the planet. And, and so, so there, you know, there's some setup for that. But again, I, you know, my, one of my big concerns here is, is that now Monero is a target and it doesn't really have, here's the other problem. Okay. Then this goes true for really any altcoin. Okay. Uh, you know, Zcash, you know, you gotta understand like with Zcash, when I talk about that, like zero coin, originally the idea was, is that it was going to get implemented either as a side chain to Bitcoin or that it was going to get baked into Bitcoin. And I've always been a little skittish. I've always been a little concerned about Bitcoin because the developers did not take like Matthew Green and some of these other guys on their offer to have ZeroCoin slash Zcash get baked into Bitcoin. That's always been a real problem for me. And I think that leads to, uh, all right, well, so the problem, let me, let me talk about this first. The, The problem with most altcoins is that the developers for these altcoins often enough, not to say Bryce Weiner that, that, you know, with Monero, that's another story if I'm even getting that right. Okay, the the developers in Bitcoin are some of the best in the world. The developers on Ethereum, the developers on other altcoins and all that are not. I don't mean to sound like an ass when I say that. I'm just saying there is, the code is an art and you have grand artistes and then you have finger painters. And that's, and that's my concern is that when something really bad happens, uh, it may not be, you know, Monero, Dash, and others may not be as resilient as, as Bitcoin has been. Because there's been issues with Bitcoin, but it moves on. I mean, that's another thing, too, is that people say, you know, the Bitfinex hack is what, um, is what brought on the, you know, what brought on the, uh, how to put this, well, well you know, the, the present rise with Monero. Because people are like, all right, we got to get away from Bitcoin you know, Bitcoin has its problems. We need to do something else. And if that's people's attitudes, I support that attitude. I love Bitcoin. Don't, don't confuse me. I'm just saying I, I support that attitude. Now, the other thing that kind of the hidden reason that I don't really see a whole lot of people talking about with why Monero is presently doing any kind of a rise is because there are a lot of companies coming out right now. And you can go read on all your blockchain, you know, uh, uh, news sites, you know, CoinDesk, Cointelegraph, whatever, and they'll tell you about them. There are a lot of companies that are working specifically, they are funded specifically to do one thing, de-anonymize the Bitcoin network. And I think a lot of people, perhaps even smarter than I, and there certainly are people smarter than I, know that that's coming and that that's happening and they are getting the fuck out. That doesn't mean Bitcoin's going to crash. I don't believe that. That doesn't mean Bitcoin's going anywhere. That doesn't mean Bitcoin's only going to be worth a buck tomorrow. That doesn't mean anything like that. But it does mean that 
that the community, you know, I mean, I've talked about this for, for some time that there's no more Bitcoin community. Well, maybe that's because the community is moving on to what they think is what's needed in their life. That being Monero and maybe even Dash. There's a lot of, you know, there's some smart people involved with Dash. So, so there you have it. That, that's, that's my whole spiel on Monero. And, and I'll talk about this a little bit in episode 192 of Sovereign Tech because maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk a lot about it. You know, let me know if you think this is something that more people need to hear. But because my main concern is, or, you know, one of the more interesting stories to come out of all this, in fact, the, the, uh, the messenger mentioned it, said, you know, that it's going to have uh, JAX integration. JAX is a wallet, a multi-currency wallet. It's actually headed by Anthony DiOrio, who I've talked with in the past. We've, you know, he's, he's actually been a guest on Sovereign Tech, whatever. Um, and Jax, you know, like they take Ethereum, Bitcoin, all this. I think they have Dash and all that. And there was actually, what's happened recently is Apple, as in Apple Inc., Apple has come out and said and told, specifically told Jax, that they need, they need, they cannot allow for, for Dash. They have to remove that from their app. Whoa. Yeah, that's a story to talk about. Okay, because that has much, you know, very, very wide ranging effects. And there might be solutions around that. Think the FIVA wallet that I used to talk about years ago. Okay, where you sneak stuff in through enterprise laws or, you know, enterprise uh, uh, agreements, I guess you would say, because it would be in the, you know, in the EULA and the terms of service for, uh, for, the, for the Apple App Store and all that. Um, so Monero, you know, they might run into a problem as far as getting on, you know, getting into, uh, getting into the Jack's wallet because of what it's trying to do. Yeah. So I'll save that for episode 192 and I'll bring up, you know, uh, quite a bit of this cause I'm still learning a lot more. And of course, after today, after the Apple event today, there's going to be a lot of other Apple stuff to talk about. So I will get into all that in episode 192. Uh, so I hope that answers it. Um, again, I think that there should be, you know, I, and I agree, actually, the, the, the comment about it being on I2P, I2P is another thing where, oh man, it just, it needs more developers. It needs more people on board with it. I think it's a wonderful idea. It's a Tor alternative. It's an alternative to Tor. Uh, I2P is wonderful. Um, I know some great guys that, that work in it and they're fine developers. I'm not insulting them. I'm just saying they need more. They need, they need the kind of, and I don't want them getting funding from the U.S. Navy. I'm just saying they need the kind of funding and the kind of support that Tor gets. Uh, but, you know, with Monero being involved, I mean, maybe there's, maybe there's a way you could bake in incentivization using Monero with I2P. That'd be wonderful. Uh, so I am all on board for that. And I agree that that would be a game changer if you were connecting Monero to I2P. Uh, that's connecting any cryptocurrency to like Tor in various ways. I mean, it's, it's always kind of been a thing, but like having maybe a more direct connection, um, has long been a dream, I think with, you know, with, with, with some people with Bitcoin. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's already kind of done, you know, <laughs> you know, coin join all that. I get it. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that that could be huge. So anyway, um, I think, I think that about covers it for, uh, you know, for Monero. Uh, if they went to like Crypto Note 3, I didn't know that. If someone wants more details that they, they think that somehow I missed, uh, you know, please contact me. Um, I, especially through Patreon, I I hope people have noticed. I mean, like I am back, I am right back with you inside of, you know, if not a few minutes, a few hours. I, I you know, I, I like to respond and let people know what's up. Um, so anyway, uh, let's get into, let, let's have a, let's have some fun. <laughs> 
we've talked about all different kinds of things here. Uh, but let, let's have a fun conversation. You know, talk some nerdy stuff. How about that? I always enjoy doing that. So uh, this question, or well, there's a couple of them here. It's kind of a two-parter. Uh, here we go. Why do you not like comic book TV shows? And this is something I said, I think I said recently, like during a climax on, uh, on oh, it was when I was reviewing, I was, I was talking about announcements out of uh, San Diego Comic-Con this year. And I think I, I, I said that. So don't you think that a TV series would go more in depth with the story than a movie? Um, so I'll, I'll answer that part first and then I'll get to the, the, the second question. Um, I, I actually, there's a lot of comic book TV shows that, that I like. Um, but I, it's mostly the new ones that I just don't care for. Uh, and people are fans of them and you, you, you rock it out. You go ahead and be fans of them. You know, one, one of the great things about comic books is that comic book has always, comic books have always been steeped in like alternate universes and reinterpretation. It's just the name of the game. It's, it's how things have been because it's a, the medium is so old. Uh, it's there. Now I think you can go too far. Meaning, if you want to reinterpret stuff for TV or movies, okay, I get it. But if you want to like keep relaunching your entire universe, like DC has done three, four times in the past, since like 2011, since New 52, holy shit. I mean, that, that's just getting out of hand. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, it, that, that's, that's mind-boggling, you know, to do that. Marvel, and Marvel's no better. Marvel has, has done just as bad. Um, so like in that sense, I don't really agree with it because somewhere you want that, that, that sense of history and that, the, the sense of historicity that you can get when something has a lot of age to it, you know, and, and comic books can certainly, you know, provide that. Uh, so I'm not surprised that DC comics has gone back to including their, their history from at least back in the eighties of, you know, with crisis on infinity earths. Um, you know, with what, what are they doing now? Rebirth. That's the, that's the name of the new stuff, which some of it, I, I've checked it out. It's pretty good. Um, anyway, so with comic book TV shows, um, yeah, there's, there's some that I like. I just, I think a lot of what they're doing now, well, so this goes back to something I've talked about actually in a, in a, in a sovereign tech Q and a, uh, Patreon Q and a, which was that I don't, even in movies, I generally don't feel that the actors that they get to be in these parts really bring, and I get it, you can reinterpret, and again, that's fine, but I don't have to like it either, okay? But what I want, I do want a degree of fidelity, okay? I do want something, some some piece that's that's big enough that makes me think that, yes, I am seeing Daredevil or I am seeing whoever, you know, on the screen, you know, in live action. Okay, I, I just, I need a little bit of that. And I just feel like all the acting choices are always so bad. In fact, I was talking with some people about this on social media. And I was impressed to hear a lot of people say, yeah, the, you know, the casting for X-Men was terrible, except for, because what I said was, I was like, you know, X-Men would have been a wash. X-Men Apocalypse, I thought that a lot of the casting was really, really bad. The best casting you've had in comic books in the past I don't know, or at least in the, well, talking about X-Men, we'll say the best casting you've had in X-Men, you got lucky with Patrick Stewart and you got lucky with Hugh Jackman because it's a truth. In the 90s, I remember in high school, my buddies and I, we were saying, how the fuck, and those were the exact words, (laughs) we were saying, how the fuck can you get Wolverine on the big screen? 
Like, how can you make a guy look feral? You know, like, how can you make him look, you know, wild enough? And how could you do the hair? You know, all of these different things. How could you make this work? And holy fuck, did Brian Singer make it work? And Hugh Jackman made it work. He is amazing. But other than that, eh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of 50-50. It's like, yeah, Halle Berry, okay. You know, some of these, like, Famke Jensen, yeah, all right. You know, I mean, a lot of these people, it's like, eh. You know, even like, like Captain America, which I recently watched Civil War, by the way, and it was good. It wasn't great. Like, Black Panther was easily the best part of that movie. Made the movie. It should have been the Black Panther movie. I know there's one coming out, and I'm looking forward to it. Okay, but they delivered, see. They, they made Black Panther look good. You know, like, like they, they really, really delivered on that. They had that fidelity. I thought I was seeing Black Panther. Yeah, but, uh, but anyway, but Captain America, you know, having Chris Evans as Captain America, I thought he was a great Human Torch. I thought he was a better Human Torch. I, I thought one, one of the original uh, uh, picks, you know, casting picks for Captain America, for Steve Rogers, was Matthew McConaughey. That would have been a great choice. Because, I'll, boy, I'll tell you. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, and, and I'm speaking in a conventional sense, Matthew McConaughey just says America. Like he just oozes like that conventional idea of America. And he has a great smile. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it, a lot of it comes down to the casting choices. I just don't agree with them. And thankfully now Netflix and some others are really spending the time to, uh, you, you know, to, to go ahead and let things get fantastic as in let things get really supernatural or superhuman. And, uh, you know, as to where, like, like one comic book show that honestly I felt like kind of sucked. If you took it away from what it was, it was an okay show. But, if, but based upon its source material, it failed. But TNT, back in, I guess this would have been maybe the early aughts or late 90s, they made a TV show about uh, Witchblade. You know, the very famous, um, you know, uh, image comic or Top Cow, whatever. Uh, and... You know, I thought Witchblade was a fine comic. Um, you know, definitely had that 90s ex- excess going for it that I always really enjoy. But, like, it, you know, they, they never, like, the Witchblade never really came into four. And, like, what part of what makes Witchblade, Witchblade so identifiable, honestly, was the body and, like, a lot of the showing of skin. You don't have to like it. That's okay. If you feel it's objectifying women, I understand that. I am sympathetic to that completely. Okay, but the point being is that what made the comic book a big deal was not in the television show. So yes, the television show failed and it sucked, you know, on that merit. Now, as far as it being a cop show, well, if it, if it didn't have the Witchblade, uh, you know, attachments, it could have been very interesting, uh, you know, but that's how you get people into it is by, you know, trying to attach it very loosely, uh, you know, to a comic book. And so that Witchblade is a great example of why I hate comic book, a lot of comic book television, not all but a lot of it because it doesn't, it doesn't have enough of the source material or it doesn't take advantage of what made the source material so great. And so it's just like, well, then I don't give a shit, you know, me, just me. If you like it, you like it. That's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, some examples of comic book shows that I thought were actually really good. Uh, I loved the adventures of Superboy, uh, that had Stacy Hyduke in it. Uh, that, that was fantastic. That went four seasons, actually, that was so good. And it was good on its own merits, like, you know, and and based upon how it paid off to the source material. You had Metallo in it, which that's just becoming a thing, I think, on Supergirl now, right? Which, talk about a wasted opportunity. You totally could have gotten Henry Cavill to, you know, to play, uh, 
to play Superman on Supergirl to at least, you know, make an appearance. If you're going to have Superman on the fucking show, have Superman on the fucking show. You know, I mean, at least uh, Smallville. There is another one. Actually, Smallville, even though I, I hated the fact that they never turned him into Superman, that show was there was times where that was really good. In fact, they did some very clever things. I, the second season, fucking brilliant. Okay, because when, when, like, how they explained how he got his heat vision is that he, um, you know, he gets turned on. Like, literally, he gets a boner and suddenly his eyes light up, you know? I thought that was brilliant. That, that, was, that was such a good move. Um, and, and there were a lot of other things to like about, about Smallville, including the fact that they brought on, when he was still alive, uh, the late, great Christopher Reeves. Of course, the very original, I mean, yeah, George Reeves, I know, and there was even, I know about the past of Superman, but, uh, but Christopher Reeves, in my book, is always Superman. Uh, I thought Lois and Clark was a very good show, the Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman. It's, in fact, one of the classiest things I ever read was in a TV guide. Of course, this was back in the early 90s when TV guide was, a th- was really a thing that mattered. Um, I, they did an interview with Dean Cain, who played Superman in that. Uh, and, and, of course, Terry Hatcher was like the legit Lois Lane. Okay, just like Stacy Hyduk was the legit Lana Lang, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but Dean Kane said in an interview on TV Guide, he said, because they asked him, it's like, how do you feel about filling in the shoes of Christopher Reeves? Because Christopher Reeves, you know, his accident with you know falling off the horse and becoming paralyzed and everything, just you know, was was pretty fresh. And Dean Kane said, first off, let me say this: I'm never going to replace, and I'm never going to fill the shoes of Christopher Reeves. And I was, you know, even as a young man, I was just like, damn right. Damn fucking right. That's how you tell it, you know. And, and that kind of respect uh, is really lacking, I think, from a lot of modern, well, it's from modern everything in entertainment. From modern everything, not just entertainment. But damn, that was the right thing to say, you know. And so, yeah, so a lot, a lot of these older, you know, shows, some of them were... I don't know. I thought they were pretty good. Uh, here's here's actually what might be the greatest comic book show of all time, and ironically, is somewhat different in tone. And in fact, the though this has happened before, where where tone affects the you know where the tone of, of a live action medium ends up affecting the comic book. Think Tim Burton's Batman. Um, but The Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby. Oh my God! <laughs> the theme song alone gives you chills. Dun, 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 dun. And Lou Ferrigno, Lou Ferrigno is the Hulk, baby. Huge. He delivered. You looked at him, it's like, yeah, that's the Incredible Hulk. Especially for the time. You know, you didn't need this, like, massive CGI character. Because the comic books never parlayed that. Uh, so I, I think that, that that show, on every merit, is so goddamn good. Okay? And you can enjoy it now. It's not, it's not so, you know, cheesy or passe as some other shows are. So it's really good. Uh, so, I mean, you know, th- at various times it has been done right. Uh, the Flash. I thought The Flash from the 80s was really well done. Uh, though kudos to the new Flash show that they brought Mark Hamill back because Mark Hamill played the trickster in the original Flash show. But there was that episode with Pollux in the original Flash show. That was awesome. Uh, that was super, super well done. Uh, on, I think it was on CBS back in like 89 or something like that. Uh, great show. Uh, of course, Wonder Woman with Linda Carter, phenomenal, because she looked like Wonder Woman. <laughs> she was the real fucking deal. You know, like, that was the comic book come to life in so many ways. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, they had limitations on what they could do with special effects, but what mattered, the hero having that fidelity and consistency was there. 
Uh, Batman, you know, of course, Batman from 66, one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, so sexy. Was great. And, and it matched. It, it, it kind of, there was a point where there was some real symbiosis between the comic book and the show. Uh, because the comic book at the time in the 60s took on a, a bit of a slapstick tone. And I think that that's okay. In fact, you, you know, how successful uh, there is the Batman 66 run going on at DC right now. There's also a Wonder Woman 77 run going on too. Uh, both great. But I think the reason people are latching on to these is because in some ways they are so tired of the dark and the serious. You know, of the like the 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 ridiculously, you know, like over the top. And now I I, I don't mind over the top epic. Okay, but I also don't want it to be the only thing that's out there. And in some ways, it's the only thing that's out there right now in comic books. Okay. Um, oh, man. I, I mean, and, and it, you know what's worse? It's not even that. Actually, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal with this, okay? It's not that I don't have a problem with over-the-top epic. The problem is, is when it's over-the-top epic and it's fucking depressing. In the 90s, we had tons of over-the-top epic, but then we also had... Uh, Priapus, you know, in Marvel, like like giving Silver Sable and and Luke Cage orgasms and shit, right? <laughs> I mean, so, you know, they made it sexy. And so when I think you just make it over the top, you know, over when you make it too epic and too depressing, people get tired of that, and then suddenly X Men ninety two, uh, you know, Batman seventy seven and one or Wonder Woman seventy seven and Batman sixty six start selling gangbusters because people are tired of it. And I'm glad. Because that means that we're not a bunch of depressing, you know, asshats walking around. I think it's wonderful. So, anyway, um, so yeah, so just modern shows, I just don't feel like they're, they're delivering on what makes the comic books great. There's something else. They're another animal, and that's okay that they're that other animal, and it's okay that you enjoy them. Um, it's just not for me. You know, it, it, I, I, have too, I think I just have too much history. I, I just have way too much, and I'm not insulting anybody that doesn't. I'm just saying, and maybe I'm wrong about you. Okay, I'm just saying that I just have way too much history with each of these characters. Um, you know, I've had points in my life where a lot of it was just watching TV, reading comic books all the fucking time when that was like the thing to do <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so so yeah, so I don't mind that so much. Um, let, let's go on to, let's get on to the other parts of the question. Um, yeah, so TV series, you know, I, I, I didn't even get to the second part of that, which was, don't you think that a TV series would go more in depth uh, with the story than a movie? Yeah, yes and no, okay? Because comic books, so comic books up until like like really the late 90s, they didn't have, they, they really, I mean, yeah, there were some story arcs. You had New Gods, you had, you know, Crisis on Infinity Earths, like I mentioned, you had Watchmen. I mean, you had some of this stuff. But the idea of, of really like overarching stories and these big events didn't really happen until like the 90s. So, you know, it used to be even in the 80s when I was growing up. I mean, I remember when it started, you know, you had Final Night, you had a bunch of those different, uh, you know, ones that, that became a thing, uh, you know, like when, when Hal Jordan became Parallax and all that. I get it. Um, but you really like like those big like company wide events and all this stuff. The stuff that would require a TV show didn't happen until much later on. And in the eighties, you know, every comic book, most comic books anyway, were a singular story. You know, totally self encapsulated. So comic books historically would really fit better as a movie because comic books used to be, or through most of their history, were you know one trick Tonys. They, they you know they were they were it was one shot. 
Um, you know, I mean, Reign of Superman, you know, that they made a big deal about that. You know, that's when a lot of that stuff came into being. So there's a place for it, I think, certainly. But also the great the great stories usually take place like in one issue, honestly. Uh, and also, you know, this this actually goes to another thing is that comic books and superheroes are so pervasive today. You really don't need to do origin stories anymore. Um, I am totally on board with. Uh, like I, you know, one of the problems I had with Batman, uh, Batman v Superman, uh, the Ultimate Edition, which I I liked overall, but one of my problems that I had with it was that like it spent time on kind of on Batman's origin story. You don't need it. You don't bother. Everybody fucking knows what happened to Batman. Everybody. And if they don't know, go to Wikipedia. And Outer Net's got your hookup. Believe me. <laughs> no matter where you are. Okay. So I, I I don't I really don't think you need to do origin stories anymore. And so with that. Like, that's where I think maybe you'd need the TV series is to cover perhaps more of an origin story. And I know, you know, that some people really like the origin stories that some TV shows have done. And like I said, even, you know, with with Smallville, that was an origin story and a very well done one. Okay, but now, you know, understand Smallville came out, you know, over a decade ago. We're in a different world now. I mean, everybody knows where these people came from. I mean, and they're just going there. They don't give a shit. You know, about about like all the minutia of what happens with the character. They are, you know, they're ready to, they just want to see some explosions. I mean, honestly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, TV, it can work both ways, but I don't, I don't necessarily agree. And that's fine. I understand how you feel about it. I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying I don't necessarily agree that, that a TV series is inherently better. Um, it, it can, it can really work, uh, work both ways. I'll tell you a TV series that I am looking forward to, and this might be surprising, but I'm interested to see Krypton. That's a, a, a show the sci-fi channel is making about, uh, about the planet Krypton. Uh, if they do this right, I think it could be an amazing show. Um, and I don't care how they want to reinterpret it because I thought the best part of Man of Steel, the movie Man of Steel was, was the, the beginning, like 15 minutes where they were showing Krypton. And I've talked about that on, uh, the importance of that, actually, and the uniqueness of that on, on previous uh, Q&A Patreon episodes. Um, because, like, I mean, that's just, that's brilliant. So if they stick with that, and, and you know, and, and however that, I, I think that that could be hot as hell. I think that could be a great show. So I am, I'm really on the lookout for that. Uh, also, I just want to put it out there. I don't know if I mentioned it on Sovereign Tech already. One show I am really looking forward to is Westworld. I know it's a remake, but... Oh, man, a remake of two previous films. I think I already talked about that in Cyber Tech, but I'm looking forward to that one. Um, so let me get to the second part of the question, then we can wrap things up. Um, what do you think of animated comic book TV series? Uh, I preferred X-Men and Batman, uh, the animated series, to the movie adaptations. Uh, yep, to, to, get, to address your, the second part of that statement, yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, Batman, the animated series, is better than any Batman movie ever made. Um, and better than, well, I, I like the 66 Batman, but if I were to, you know, kind of like step out and get out of the way of my own, um, my own preferences, Batman, the animated series is the greatest piece of Batman work ever created. I mean, it's phenomenal. You know, uh, it, it, it changed everything. Um, in fact, I think it gave Saturday morning cartoons and all that, like a lot longer lease on life than Saturday morning cartoons needed. 
Uh, so not not to say I don't miss Saturday morning cartoons. Well, I, I see, I kind of do miss them because I never watched them. I never, I wasn't really, when I was growing up, I wasn't really able to watch Saturday morning cartoons. I had to watch everything because I was able to rent like episodes of it on VHS, you know, from the, the local price chopper or something in New York. I mean, I, I never, because, because I'm a fucking Jew, I never got to watch the Saturday morning cartoons. It sucked. <laughs> so anyway, that, that, that's a whole other, that's a whole other subject. But a lot of the what cartoons that were Saturday morning cartoons, I got to watch later on and I really enjoyed them. So, the, well, anyway. Um, yeah, and, and X-Men, the X, the 92 X-Men cartoon, there's a reason there's a comic book out right now called X-Men 92. And that's because they, they know that cartoon was a high note. And it delivered everything really, really well. And it started, you know, we talk about those epic stories that started coming out. X-Men 92 brought those to life. That X-Men cartoon absolutely did that. Uh, just just fantastic. Uh, you know, a, a great cartoon. It still has one of my favorite lines of all time where Wolverine and Cyclops are arguing with each other. You know, Logan and Scott, right? Scott Summers. And, and, and Logan gets pissed off. It just like goes over, it goes over, over Scott's car, you know, with his claws, takes the hood, you know, takes the roof off of it. And he says the, I think he says it to Beast, and he says, tell Scott he's got a convertible. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> oh man, fantastic. Uh, so yeah, great cartoons. Um, so anyway, what do you think of animated comic book TV series? I think they're great. I think a lot of them are really, really good because they solve the problem of what I was talking about is that they can just draw the person, you know, how they are quote unquote meant to look and value subjective. I know, but historically how they have been designed, they can be drawn. How about that? Okay. Um, this is something where, you know, I, in fact, this brings up a a kind of a big debate in the whole, you know, movie world, uh, or in the geek nerd world, whatever, um, is, so a lot of people claim that DC comic DC's movies as late, obviously not counting the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy suck, but Marvel's movies are amazing. Okay. I would argue that they all largely kind of fail in various varying degrees, especially because nothing really dangerous happens in any of them because they're all cash cows. So everybody has to stay alive, you know? (laughs) And I think that sucks. Uh, what it makes a lot of great, I mean, Yes, I'm, you know, in the real world, I'm glad all humans live, okay? We're talking about fantasy here. <laughs> but, um, you know, comic books are predictable. Or comic, comic book movies are very predictable. Comic books, in some ways, are very predictable. In fact, that's largely why I read Valiant, uh, a lot of other image stuff, and some indies more than I read uh, Marvel or DC anymore. Though I am excited about uh, Doctor Doom becoming a, an iron, you know, there's Ironheart, and then Doctor Doom's also going to be an Iron Man of sorts. Uh, I'm very intrigued to read that series, and hopefully they don't end it prematurely like they did with the, um, was it Supreme Spider-Man? Was that the one where, where Doc Ock was Spider-Man? That was great. That was an awesome comic book series, and they, they fucking ruined it. But anyway, where, where Doc Ock was in, uh, you know, Peter Parker's body for a while. That, that was just fantastic. Um Anyway, so the argument is, is that, you know, Marvel really does well in the conventional argument is that they do well as far as movies go. Well, I'll tell you, a place where the exact opposite is true is in animated movies uh, and I think largely in animated series, even though there's been great animated cartoon series from Marvel. Uh, In the 90s, you had Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four and Iron Man in particular were all awesome. 
Uh, Spider-Man was really good in the 90s as well. Uh, and there was a lot of... Um, a lot of synergy between those, a lot, a lot of crossover. It was, it was really, really good stuff. Um, so I love, you know, I don't have anywhere near the complaints, if any, for animated, uh, you know, uh, TV, TV series, comic book TV series, as I do for live action uh, comic book TV series. But anyway, my point being is that today, as far like there was a while where Marvel, they were kind of like doing a sort of a Marvel Knights line with um, uh, with some of their characters, which Marvel Knights was was a comic book line, but then they were sort of doing an animated movie line. Like they made one for Dr. Strange. They made one for, for some others and they were okay. Uh, like they made a planet Hulk one, which that one was pretty good. Um, but the DC animated movies that Bruce Tim has been in charge, has been in charge of are fucking amazing. They, each one of them is gold. Batman, Superman, apocalypse, uh, Bat- Superman Doomsday, even though the shorts were like Black Adam versus, uh, you know, versus Shazam or, well, they're not calling him Captain Marvel anymore. I got to get used to that. They're actually calling him Shazam now. Uh, the, these were our top notch stuff. And they, they honestly, the animated DC movies over the past decade, the movies are the best comic book um, movies. I'll, I guess I'll say it that way. You know, live action animated included out there. They are just the best. They are so good. New Frontier, a whole bunch of them. And again, they don't run into the problem of, you know, how, who are we going to cast to play this part? They can just draw the character as the character had been historically portrayed. And it, it's fantastic. And they're decently adult, too. A lot of them are very adult, especially like Batman Superman Apocalypse. Oh, shit. <laughs> what happens with Kara? Woo! They no problem in showing skin. I mean, absolutely not. Or making a joke about Power Girl's breasts. I mean, right on. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I I'm with you on on that. Uh, that that like definitely X Men and Batman better than the movie any any movie adaptation. I think even better than Christopher Nolan's work, largely inspired. I think every, all Batman now. You know, Batman the animated series is inspired by Tim Burton's work, of course. But then. Uh, Batman, you know, the animated series has really inspired everything else thereafter. Uh, everything else. It's all colored by that. And I like Batman Beyond too, by the way. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I don't know if I laid out any rarities there. I like to do that whenever I, you know, bring up the stuff, um, that people didn't hear about, but, um, but yeah, you know, solid points. I understand them, but that, but again, it all comes down to fidelity. It's the same problem I have with a lot of the movies. Some of the movies are so good that maybe they can overcome that, but very few. Uh, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, you know, like the Iron Man movies have been really good. Um, the DC movies, they've been good. <laughs> they've been good. I don't, I don't, Suicide Squad, I don't give a shit about, you know, a lot of that. Um, yeah. But I mean, there's been great comic book movies in the past. Uh, in fact, like TV based ones. Generation X from the 90s, I thought that was an awesome TV movie. Uh, the David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury was an awesome TV movie, should have become a TV series, but it didn't. Uh, I, I mean, I think he, th- that was fantastic. Uh, there, there's been a lot that a lot of people don't know about. There was like a Justice League movie. I don't know if people remember that that came out in the nineties, live action. Uh, not that good. That one, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of little rarities out there that, that just, you know, haven't been good, but then there's been a lot of rarities that have been, uh, honestly, they've been great. So anyway, I, I think uh, that's enough of that. Uh, we, we were, were topping out 
at a little over an hour here. So I think uh, I think it's a good time to, to wrap it up and put it to bed. So anyway, thank you so much to everybody that donates through Patreon and through other means. Uh, it goes very, very far. I can tell you that. Uh, it, it, I am really, really honored. If you ever feel the need to up your donations, please don't hesitate to do so. I am honored by that as well. But if not, no worries. I just love having you here. Uh, and uh, yeah, there'll be, you know, episode 192 will be coming out uh, this week, of course, on Saturday, as every Saturday it does. I will give you an insight. Episode 199 is coming, and it's coming on Halloween. And oh, you know, I am going to have a good time with that. <laughs> and I already have some stuff lined up. I have some people lined up. This is going to be a great, great time. Uh, so episode 199 is on the way. Um, and of course, there'll be a new Sex and Science Hour this week. Uh, and uh, I have some other great things uh, planned. I'm actually looking to get Brett Vinat onto Sovereign Tech for the first time. He, he was on, when I did the episode from Porkfest, he was on that, but I want to have him on for the full two hours, and we're just going to bullshit right and left. It's going to be a great time, because, uh, you know, it's great to have to have a good friend like that. Um, and, I, and I just totally respect his work, which, you know, I'm going to tell you that right now. If you did not listen to this, I'm going to tell you something that I consider required listening. It was so fucking good. Brett had... Uh, Brett had Jeffrey Tucker on and there was an, it was episode number 448 of the school sucks podcast. It's called the alluring alt-right. This, it was a little over an hour. It was so good. The shit said in that was just phenomenal. I mean, it just, just brilliant. Um, man. So do give that a listen. Anyway, enough of that. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you have any other questions, of course, you know how to how to get them to me. There's the email address. There's Twitter. Uh, don't hesitate to use Patreon. I love, I love it when people use that uh, to get in touch with me. So Carpe Lucem, everybody. You now know what that means. And I'll see you on the other side. And you now know what that means, where that comes from, too. <laughs> uh, see you Saturday, folks. just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.